Well, let me wish you a very happy Easter. And if you've stumbled across us today, if you perhaps are somebody who's been invited by someone um, either today or sometime during the last year and we just haven't had the chance to meet yet, then I'd love to get to know you soon. We will be able to gather again soon. So my name is Paul and with my wife Becky, I lead the team here at All Saints. And I'm really pleased that you're with us tonight because tonight is the message that we need to hear above anything else. I really pray that tonight you would be able to make the connection, that you would be struck by the power of the truth that Jesus is risen from the dead, and you'd be able to make the connection to your own situation, your personal needs, because I believe that Easter is the answer to the deepest needs that we all have. Now, the great psychologist um, Maslow famously described a hierarchy of needs. You might have seen it. Um, He conceived of it as a triangle. And the idea is that at the base of the triangle are the most basic needs that we all have. And until those needs are addressed, we can't really consider anything else. So to simplify it slightly, at the base of the triangle are all those things that are to do with our survival. It's to do with safety, with health, with food and with drink. And only when those needs are met can we start to consider the next level of need. And the next level of needs are basically the psychological and the emotional needs. The need that we have for relationship, for connection to others, for for peace and for harmony in our lives. And again, only when those needs are met can we look at the top level of the triangle. And the top level of the triangle is to do with self-fulfillment. It's to do with being creative. It's to do with feeling productive, to, to feel that you're making a difference, to feel that you're able to be all that you can be, to live life without limits in the fullness of what life is meant to be. I've seen several versions of that this year when some wag has added another kind of layer below the basic bottom of the triangle that says toilet paper that our basic need is for toilet paper. And if you saw the way that people were stockpiling when we first went into lockdown, then maybe there might be some truth in that. Because the pandemic has actually attacked us at every level of our being. And it's affected us in all sorts of ways that we probably haven't even realized. It's confronted us with our mortality. It's left us feeling powerless. It's been threatening livelihoods. It's forced us into isolation from each other. It's added stress upon stress to whatever whatever was um, already an anxious society. It's frustrated our work and it's ruined so many plans that we have, the things that we were longing to do and have had to let go of. And ultimately, what the pandemic has done is just expose how fragile our lives are. We've probably been protected from that more than most people on this planet by our wealth, by our social services, by our health system. We've been able to live lives where we expect that there'll be lives largely of of ease and blessing and comfort, and we don't have to worry about our basic needs, and so we can give attention to the higher ones. But this year, all of that has been stripped away, and it's left us looking for answers. And Easter is the message that we need to hear because Easter is where God gives the answer. It's the only answer that has ever sufficed. But he speaks to us something that can't be taken away, can't be subject to change or chance. Any of us could fall ill. Any of us could suffer the loss of livelihood or adverse circumstances. Any of us could have freedoms taken away. Any of us could find 
relationships broken. But Easter says, whatever happens, God has got it in hand. So let's listen to what the Easter gospel actually says. I'm going to read tonight from one of the four records of Jesus' life and ministry. And this is the gospel of John in chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, which is probably John talking about himself. And she said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to the place where they were staying. Now one of the things that passage says to us is that this is early on the first day of the week. And John is using that as a way of signaling this is the first day of something brand new. The first day of the week. This is a new creation. And there's lots of hints in the way that John counts time through his gospel that that this is like starting again after everything had gone wrong. And to make it even clearer, what we'll see next is that Mary Magdalene, who's the focus at the start of our passage, is next going to be in a garden where she'll find herself talking face to face with God, with the risen Jesus who is God. And it just reminds us of Adam and Eve walking and talking with God in a garden, a position from which they fell. And now on the first day of the week, the first day of a new creation, God is again with man and woman in the garden. Darkness is a theme here as well. And in some ways, the darkness is here to remind us that God's ways are a mystery. The point of this is that we don't actually know when Jesus rose from the dead. It's something that's discovered later. It had already happened. It happened at some point during the night. And while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and discovered what God had already done. So often in our lives, we, we just find ourselves in a position of despair. And then we discover that God has already done something. We just needed to know it. And when we discover it, it changes everything. But darkness also is something that John is using as a, a figure here of, of us moving from not understanding through to a growing understanding and ultimately to encounter All the gospel accounts of the cross and the resurrection of Good Friday and Easter Sunday, all of them convey the bewilderment of the disciples at what was going on. The sense that everything's out of control, despair that they're feeling at the outcome of all that happens on Thursday and Friday. And then out of their devastation, this discovery that God has done something they couldn't have guessed at and weren't expecting, all of the 
feelings. All of their situations are transformed by the truth and power of the resurrection. And even in these few short verses in John 20, we see a progression. So Mary comes from a place of defeat, disappointment, and pain. The only sense she can make of the empty tomb when she discovers it is that somebody must have taken the body and moved it. And Peter and John, likewise, they run, they see the facts that there is a tomb, they see the cloths. It says that John was able to look and begin to put things together. And it says that he believed, but even then it says in verse 9 that they still did not understand what it meant. And as we said earlier, Mary is actually then going to encounter. She's actually going to meet. There's a, a journey that we all need to take from despair through to not just belief, but to understanding. And I, I wonder, I wonder how often we fail to make that journey complete. Do we need to move from belief further on into understanding? And that's a challenge to people who have faith. Maybe tonight you don't have faith and what God is going to want to do tonight is to convince you that this actually happened and this is the answer that you've been looking for. Or maybe you're someone who, like me, has faith, who believes. But even so, all of us need to grow in our understanding because we can believe the truth that Jesus is risen. We can celebrate it on this day. We can even feel the joy, the Easter joy, that Jesus is risen but not actually have started to unpack what that means for every day that we're ever going to live in the rest of our lives. And what I want to do tonight is I want to suggest that we need to look at the events of Good Friday, Saturday, and Easter Sunday. Not in isolation, but to see them together. And so firstly, if we want to look at these events through the lens of Good Friday... What we need to understand is that all is forgiven. Looking at cross and resurrection as parts of the same story will transform our understanding. So why is the resurrection important? Because it really was a resurrection. Jesus had been killed without doubt by professionals who knew what they were doing and made no mistakes. Jesus was absolutely, completely, utterly, medically, verifiably dead. And yet he rose from the dead. This is not a resuscitation. This is a resurrection, something that has never been seen before. And what does that say about who he is and the claims he made? Or maybe looking the other way. Why do we believe that Jesus' death upon the cross was significant? Well, because Jesus said that it was a sacrifice, a self-offering that he was making for the sins of the whole world. Well, anybody can claim that. Why might we believe that it was effective? Why might we believe that somehow the Father would accept that as a sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the world? That all the things that you and I have done wrong and all the things that are systemically wrong in our society and the wider world. Why might we believe that the cross avails, that the cross works because the Father raised Jesus from the dead? Because the Father raised Jesus from the dead, we know that the Father was pleased with his offering. We know that Jesus was the perfect person who alone could do what none of us could do for ourselves. Because of that, we know 
that in him all things are forgiven. Now, that may be something that doesn't carry much weight with you. Perhaps you don't feel the need of it. And one of the problems with our modern society is that we've all been taught that we're fundamentally okay, that we're basically good people. And we've learnt to look more deeply, that often what people need is not a good talking to, but a good listening to. We've learnt to look at the factors that have shaped the individual and explained their behaviours. They're just acting out things that have been done to them or that, that are part of their background. We've been encouraged to respond by listening without judgment, and much of that is right. But it does mean that in a society like ours, we've largely forgotten what it is to feel responsible. If we've done things wrong, we assume it's because somehow we're victims rather than perpetrators. We may acknowledge the label of being mess-ups, but we're not sinners. What the Bible says is that God sent a saviour because he knew our real need. And Jesus himself, Jesus loved without judgment, but Jesus himself said, I have not come for the healthy, but for the sick. And what he meant by that is, if you don't admit your need, he can't help you. Perhaps the starting point for us recovering our own sense of culpability, our, our sense that maybe we do have a need for forgiveness, perhaps the starting point for that is to acknowledge that it hurts to be hurt. And you'll know that. You'll know that when you've been hurt, when you've been sinned against, you'll know that it matters. And you don't want somebody to come along, let alone God. You don't want somebody to come along and say, oh, it doesn't matter, we'll just forgive everything, don't worry about it. No, you know that if you've been hurt, that there needs to be an accounting. That somebody needs to say, somehow, that cost... And that cost must be paid. It hurts to be hurt. Unless you're truly lost, unless you're truly lost, it's not a, not a great step from that to realizing the hurts that we have inflicted on others and on God by our own behaviors. Perhaps recognizing that they too shouldn't be wished away and said that they are of no consequence. Now the truth is, actually we need forgiveness there needs to be a deep reconciliation and actually we probably all know that and in many ways will acknowledge it and long for it there's a famous story of a father who was estranged from his son this has been going on for years and as the father thought i'm getting older i'm approaching my own death he decided to have one final go at reconciling and so he put an ad in the personal columns of the paper and it simply said all is forgiven. Meet me at Waterloo Station at noon on the 12th. And on the 12th, when he went there, he found 30 men waiting for him. The need for reconciliation, the need for forgiveness, the need for restoration, something that's much more common than we might admit. The cross tells us all is forgiven and the resurrection tells us that that worked that it was accepted by the father now secondly if we look at these events through the lens of the day in the middle holy saturday it tells us that all is not lost holy saturday is a strange day the bible hardly talks about it at all 
It was a day when nothing happened. And during that day, all of the disciples were bereft. They were lost in their grief. They had lost all hope. They were scattered. They were fearful. On that day, the darkness had come into their world. And everything seemingly had ended. Now, this has been a year of bereavements and loss, small and large. And I think during this year, many people have faced ultimate questions for the first time. And as they do that, they may have found that they not only can't save themselves, but they may have found that the answers they have to the challenges we face in life aren't sufficient. They may have struggled to find something that will bring them real comfort when bereavement and loss has really hit them. And it's a question that we can answer confidently. When somebody says, why do you hope? Why do you believe? We can say, because Jesus has gone ahead. Even death is not the end. Neither is despair something that we should get stuck in. I can imagine a lot of people have been despairing. You know, I think sometimes things come to the top of our news cycle and we we feel the pain of those things that are wrong with the world and we think maybe now something will change and everybody's moved for a moment. You may have felt that after the killing of George Floyd and thought maybe now there'll be a tipping point, a change in society and then perhaps this week when you saw that report come out on Wednesday that seemed to say we don't have a problem in this country. Maybe you'd despair and think, I, I, I don't know, I, I just, how can I keep going? Maybe you're someone who saw the murder of Sarah Everard and thought, will there ever be a day when a woman can walk safely through the streets at night? Maybe you're someone who looks at the damage that we're doing to creation and thinks, thinks with all the awareness raising that's been going on, with all the focus, with all the good intentions, it seems that we're doing the same things over and over again. And when you've given yourself to something like that, where you've been captured by a cause, it's hard to keep going. But do not despair. All is not lost. In our darkest moments, a light of resurrection begins to dawn. And we actually discover that God has done something in the dark that we only discover in the morning that follows. All is forgiven. All is not lost. And finally, when we look at these events through the lens of Sunday, all things are possible. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul says that if the resurrection is not true, then our preaching is empty or in vain. And he, he doesn't mean it's a, a hollow boast. What he actually means is it has no power to make a difference. But the point is, Paul knew himself. And he's able to list 550 others who had experienced themselves the physical resurrection of the Lord as well as the countless thousands by that point, and now millions since, who have experienced the power of that truth in their own hearts. This is not an empty claim, neither is it powerless. This truth has power to change lives, to change society. Death is defeated, sin's grip is broken, evil is humiliated. And that same power is at work in us who believe, as Paul says in another epistle. The resurrection is about that power being at work. The resurrection isn't the rebirth of human hope. It doesn't tell us that, that Jesus 
never gave up, that he somehow found it in himself to keep going. It's not about bringing out our latent potential or, or telling us that there's always a possibility. It's not telling us that the human spirit is ultimately going to triumph. No, Jesus died and was buried and was sealed in a tomb and the tomb was guarded. The resurrection is about triumph when there was no possibility and no potential. Even when the worst has come, God can do something. And that means for you and I, if we put our faith and trust in God, if through the cross we are reconciled to him and brought back into relationship, then we don't despair whatever comes and we look for the acting inbreaking of that power because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in our lives. I found myself saying in several contexts recently, we're not facing a problem that a miracle couldn't fix. And realizing that that was not a joke, that that was actually how I increasingly want to face my life. That because I believe and I'm in a relationship with God the Father through Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit is at work in me and in my circumstances and in my world. God can do anything. Signs and wonders of his presence will break in. His kingdom will come. The increase of his government will know no end. This is a God of power who is at work in your life and my life. So let's go back to where we began, to Maslow and his triangle. I don't know about toilet paper, but think about the other things that were in that triangle. The point is, Easter is the answer to every need that we might ever feel. It's life eternal. It's the redemption of our bodies. It's life beyond the grave. It's unfailing hope and joy that cannot be taken away. It's renewed connection with God and redeemed relationships with each other. It's life without limits in the new creation. It's the fullness of life in Christ Jesus. All of that because all is forgiven, all is not lost, and all things are possible. We need that message more than ever. So I'd like to invite you to pray with me now. For those of you who have encountered this message today and acknowledge that perhaps this is something you've never taken seriously, something perhaps that has been a story but not a reality, I simply ask you to search your heart because I believe that in your heart you will hear that quiet witness where you know that this is true. And as you acknowledge that, I invite you to live in the reality of its truth. Jesus has risen from the dead. That means you can have a relationship with him today. He is not a hero of history. He is a present savior. He longs to restore you back into relationship with the Father, but also to walk with you through this life, strengthening you by his Holy Spirit, helping you know the life that you were made for until that day when he comes again and all will be made right in society. So if that's you, just be saying in your heart, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Take your rightful place. Just as you came from the dead, 
May everything that is dead in me come alive in you. Bring me to glorious new life. And if you've prayed that, then know that Jesus is alive and he who is the truth and he who is love. You can trust his promises. You can rest in his arms. Secondly, for those of us who know this already, this will be a day, I believe, where joy will rise in our hearts, but perhaps we can step into greater understanding. I pray, Lord, that you would show us more deeply what it is to be forgiven. And we read in Scripture of the woman who loved much because she knew she had been forgiven much. Maybe our love often is weak because we don't think we have much to be forgiven of. But Lord, show us the wonder of your forgiveness. Help us come to that place where we truly believe that we can completely lay our lives out before anybody else because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And help us in turn as those who know the wonder of forgiveness to pour out our love as you did upon the world and to forgive others in turn. I pray, Lord, that we would grow in our understanding of what it means that all is not lost, that we would be a people of unquenchable faith, a people of hope, of people who are characterized by joy even in times of darkness, a people who persevere in doing right because we know in due time there will be a harvest. Lord, help us to burn with a zeal for your kingdom. And finally, Lord, I pray that you would help us to grow in our understanding of the supernatural power of your Holy Spirit, the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead and is now at work in those of us who believe. Help us to face this life knowing that all things are possible. And so we will be quick to turn to prayer and we will pray great prayers of boldness and may we see your kingdom breaking into our lives in signs and wonders and miracles I pray Lord that this Easter would be one that we would never forget because in it we step into the reality of what it is to live in this new creation that Jesus has won for us now whatever part of those prayers you relate to as Martin and the band continue to lead us in some worship I invite you to come to the altar a place of exchange a place where we bring a sacrifice but the only sacrifice we have is the sacrifice of our own lives where we bring our brokenness and we receive his healing we bring our weakness and receive his strength we bring our wisdom and we find it's nothing much and we receive instead his perfect wisdom from above.